are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Hope everybody's having a great Friday afternoon. And for those of you out there already on your weekend, lucky. Hope everybody's having a great Friday, and we're blessed to be here in the studio with you on this wonderful Friday. Lance, how are you doing today, my man? Twitter handleless. How are you doing, Noah? You are still Twitter handleless. I can't. I'm, I, I, I was know. going to ask you. I had it planned. I don't know. I don't know what to do, Noah. I'm stressing out. I feel all the pressure. You, every day you ask me, it's like, Lance, you got a new Twitter handle? I'm like, no. No, I don't. I'm searching. I just don't know. I don't know where I'm going to get a new Twitter handle. I just The one I li- have right now, I just don't like, but I just can't come up with anything better. You'll get there. I'll be an intern forever. (laughs) Even though you're not, you don't need a Twitter handle to tell you who you are, Lance. Call in at 334-321-1390. Maybe you have suggestions for Lance in a new Twitter handle. I think we should open the phone lines for that. I'd be down, absolutely. I'll take anything. Anything that y'all have is probably more creative than what I can come up with. 334-321-1390. That's how you can call in. It doesn't have to be about the Twitter handle either. It can be about anything you want to talk about, Auburn-related, Alabama, SEC, beyond whatever is on your mind in the sports world. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Find Lance and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Intern Jaws. That is still his Twitter handle to this very day. I want to open up this show saying something that is as Sting is now writing down a new Twitter handle here. What what you got? Let me see what it is. <laughs> Jaws of Live. Like live, like Jaws of Live? Yeah, like, like you know, like he's live, he's on he's on, he's on the mic. I don't know. I'm I like, like it. Jaws I'm, of Life. I yeah, get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. I'm not mad at that. I may try that. Let's see if. Well, let's let's wait. Let's yeah, wait. we'll wait till the break for you to just see if that if that is available for you to use on Twitter. But I don't know if we should rush here either on getting you a new Twitter. This handle. is very important. I don't think y'all Genius understand. Doesn't happen instantly. That's I mean. true. That's true. I think we can put that on the short list. But I think we need to just once again, as Stink said, genius. You just can't rush it. You can't rush it whatsoever. Well, I want to start off the show now talking about. Something here that we discussed a little bit yesterday to open up the show regarding Namari Burnett going to Alabama, the Texas Tech transfer. I'll say this. I made a tweet last night that I thought was perfectly accurate in what I in what I put out there. And it led to Alabama fans getting after me. It led to some Auburn fans getting after me. And I said this on the show yesterday. And let me tell you guys, it's still going. If you guys want to go check it out, if you want to add a like or retweet, if you want to go and comment in anger at me, whatever you want to do. But I felt like this was a pretty accurate tweet. And this is going to make up a greater topic here in this opening segment. But here's the tweet. Auburn fans don't want to admit this, but Alabama has closed the gap in basketball. With the way these two teams are currently recruiting, it's an arms race. Get ready for this to become one of the best rivalries in all of college basketball. And right now, it's rolling. It is absolutely rolling. I had some major Alabama personalities out there quote-tweeting it, like Hunter Johnson, the 18,000-follower account on Twitter. This actually gained some traction yesterday, and I was shocked because I thought it was a pretty tame take 
based off of those three seasons where Auburn had 25 plus win years Auburn's basketball program was much was in a much better location than Alabama's basketball program would you agree with that I would agree yeah during that same three-year stretch Alabama had three 15 plus loss seasons or 14 plus loss seasons whatever it was they were barely above 500 each of those three seasons I think you could say especially with Auburn having gone to the final four won a pair of conference championships that Auburn's program there was a gap between the two that has been closed now because of this season that Alabama has put together in combination with what they have recruited Alabama fans did not like the fact that I said that there was a gap over that three-year stretch I couldn't believe it I it baffled me I was like how could you look at those three years and not think that Auburn's program was further along than Alabama's at that point but history wanted to be brought up and yes Alabama does historically have the second best program in SEC basketball history can't lie the numbers support that the statistics support that but history does not make up right now where we're at like history at that point didn't matter because Auburn was doing a lot better than Alabama at that point and Alabama every year was just a few games above 500 so I still think it's highly irresponsible Alabama fans are super excited they should be the the program is taking off right now under Nate Oates 100% they got the number three overall recruiting class but I think it's highly irresponsible to just write off Auburn basketball at this point just because of one down year and now all of a sudden Alabama's getting some high profile recruits I think it's highly irresponsible to erase Auburn from this discussion and the point of the tweet was to say it was a compliment to Alabama they had closed the gap and this basketball rivalry is about to be the most intense it has ever been in the history of the Auburn Alabama basketball rivalry these two teams have not recruited at this level on a year in and year out basis ever in the history of their rivalry and here they are and that's what I meant by arms race arms race is in what happened prior to world war one to make world one world war one happen it was a contributing factor of world war one new weapons were being invented left and right the machine gun the tank airplanes mustard gas all of these things were happening around that time and it contributed to increased hostilities and then the powder keg and whatnot there's a ton of stuff that contributed to world one world war one occurring and part of that was an arms race and what i'm saying right now that is happening here in the state of alabama on the recruiting front it is an arms race for auburn and alabama basketball's rivalry to blow up here yeah you're exactly right and i think your twitter or your tweet rather was was very accurate i mean there, there, there is a gap. I mean, objectively, there was a gap these past four or five years under Bruce Pearl. Auburn's kind of been dominating the series as of late. I actually went and checked. I was like, well, has Alabama? Has, was there not a gap? Auburn was like nine and five against Alabama these past like three or four seasons, up until the point where they swept us this season, which was the first time since 2014. I mean, that that there there has been a gap recently. And I don't, I don't understand where Alabama fans are coming from. I understand where they're coming from as far as like a history standpoint. It's like, oh, well, we've been the more dominant team uh, since the beginning of college basketball. Since the beginning of time, sure, since The whatever. beginning of time, whatever, but as It doesn't of right, matter to me right now. I'm not living in the 50s and the 60s. I'm living in 2021. Exactly. So moving forward now from like the, the, the past two or three years where you've been, I don't want to say getting dominated, but you've been getting com- consistently beaten by Auburn. You are now, you're, you're closing the gap now that you've swept us and looking forward to the future you're recruiting just as well as Auburn has been over the past two years so I, I agree with you I think your statement was accurate and just looking talking about an arms race I mean you're exactly right looking at what Alabama's doing on the recruiting trail is like 
third-ranked recruiting class in the country, and then they pick up five-star transfer uh, Namari Burnett. And then you look at what Auburn's doing is they picked up two transfers here over the past couple of weeks. They got guys like Jabari Smith and Trey Alexander coming in, a, a highly touted recruiting class as well. What Auburn did last year in picking up guys like Sharif Cooper and JT Thor I mean, these two teams, they're, they're in an arms race, and they're, they're, it's a competitive rivalry. Actually, earlier I was listening to the Max Roundtable, which is being aired here on ESPN 106.7. They were actually, a caller went, called in and asked the exact same thing. It's like, do you think we're about to enter into a golden age of Auburn and Alabama basketball? I hope I prompted that question. And, I, and, I don't know if I did, but and, I hope I did. Right, and Doug Amos was like, yes, I do believe we are, because Alabama's starting to catch up, and they're recruiting well. And we're about to go back into the Sonny Smith days where it was constant competitiveness. I can't remember the other Alabama coach that was coaching at the time that Smith was, but they were consistently putting teams in the tournament, both Alabama and Auburn. We're about to be, enter another golden age of this rivalry. And like you said, it was a compliment to Alabama. It's like we're both, the, both programs are doing really well. Alabama went to a sweet 16. But apparently it could not be seen as a compliment. Whatever. Whatever, not a problem, but all I want to say is that was that was the point of the tweet, and this brings me to a larger conversation topic here as Alabama does bring in a five-star transfer into Mari Burnett. The earth underneath the Iron Bowl rivalry shook yesterday. I believe so. A ton of Alabama fans were excited yesterday, as they should be. Their recruiting class is out of this world. It's not just volume. It's also quality. It's quantity and quality. They should be excited about what they've recruited this is a legit recruiting class one of the best in the country number three overall and you can make arguments for it to be higher considering transfers do not bake into the ratings on like 24 7 sports they just don't so it adds to it that they bring this transfer in it's just as good as any class in this country if not better than 99 percent. which of course it's third overall it is better than 99 percent I felt like yesterday's announcement, subtly, but it did, it shook the earth underneath the Auburn-Alabama rivalry because Auburn fans, I think, yesterday are thinking, well, when's our turn? When are we going to get a transfer? When are we going to get a big guy to come here? After you've seen so many guys leave and Auburn really hasn't, br- they haven't brought in anybody with the same level of clout as Namari Burnett did as right. a five-star, former five-star high school recruit. He played ball at Texas Tech, a major program in college basketball at the moment. Auburn so far today did get the announcement Wendell Green Jr. from Eastern Kentucky and then they got Zepp Jasper from College of Charleston there's a little bit of difference there in clout between College of Charleston and Eastern Kentucky versus Texas Tech right five-star Texas Tech <laughs> exactly so. not saying anything against Wendell Green Jr. or Zepp Jasper no those guys are obviously once again I go back to I trust Bruce Pearl in his talent evaluation because he hasn't done Auburn wrong yet in that and in his ability to build a roster. He believes in those two guys. Auburn fans should believe in those two guys as well and not worry about the previous name that was on their jersey. Bruce Pearl thinks they're good enough to play for Auburn. Well, then you should believe that they're probably good enough to play for Auburn. But the point that I'm trying to make is Auburn fans are getting a little uneasy with names like Walker Kessler, Xavier Pinson, Ty Ty Washington, all those guys out there. And Alabama's bringing in some big names at the moment. Auburn fans are wanting to believe, well, when are our guys coming? Well, we're still in the running for those guys. 100%. 100 percent and you're talking about guys like Wendell Green like you know they don't exactly have the clout as you put it 
but they're certainly talented transfers, and I don't want to knock on them because, as you mentioned, Bruce Pearl's talent evaluation is through the roof, especially at the guard position. I mean, guys I think like there's Jared only Harper, been one player that he's missed on. Right, Javon McCormick was still a really good guard in his senior season, and then Sharif Cooper. I mean, at, at, so far at the guard position, Bruce Pearl's knocked it out of the park. The only player that he missed on, I feel like, maybe I'm forgetting somebody out there, but the only player that I think he's missed on, Tyrell Turbo Jones. But he wasn't here long enough to know for a fact if he missed on him. Right. And was that Bruce Pearl's fault? Maybe Bruce Pearl saw intangibles, physical intangibles. Maybe he saw qualities in Turbo Jones. And maybe it was sometimes it's, look, sometimes it's on the player for them not developing. Some guys just don't have it when they step onto campus for whatever reason. It's not like Turbo Jones was a bad basketball player in high school. Everything that Bruce Pearl had to evaluate while he was in high school was good enough to come to Auburn, but it just didn't work out while he was here on the Plains. We'll see what happens. Davion Mitchell's another good example. There you go. If he had stayed at Auburn, I don't know if he becomes Davion Mitchell at Baylor, but Bruce Pearl obviously evaluated solid talent there. I would not say that Bruce Pearl missed on Davion Mitchell. The guy is going to the NBA now. Right, and that I believe Kareem Canty was a uh, transfer to Auburn under Pearl, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, right? JUCO guy, though. Right, so he's a JUCO guy, but still talking about talent evaluation and transfers coming in. Actually, I mean, no, he was not a JUCO guy. He came from Marshall. Okay, excuse me, my mistake. But it's still, like the the talent talent evaluation is there, and if Kareem had actually been able to keep his stuff together off the court, he would have been another really talented guard to come through Auburn. I mean, he was at the time before he had to leave. So I think Auburn folks should be patient, but on the flip side. It is completely warranted for Alabama folks at this point to be out of this world excited with what they've got coming into their basketball program. And that's the direction that I want to take this segment now. We've just got a little bit more time, so we'll keep talking about this later on, and we'll dig into it more in our next segment. And then coming up at 2.30, we'll have Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. And then at 3 o'clock, we'll have Britt Bowen, Auburn softball play-by-play announcer. We're going to get all things Auburn athletics for everybody set up for the weekend as Auburn baseball is taking on Mississippi State, Auburn softball taking on Texas A&M. we got a lot of things planned for everybody out there Later on in our next segment, we'll dig into this Alabama Crimson Tide roster after this latest signature for them. After Namari Burnett has committed, where does it leave this Alabama roster? At the moment, Alabama is a scholarship over the limit. Somebody's going to have to leave. We don't know who that is at the moment, but somebody has to leave. They are one scholarship over. You get 13 scholarship players, full scholarship players. You get 13 They've got 14 right now with their current recruiting class coming in and then also the transfers. And then that also brings up the question about a certain Furman transfer, Noah Gurley as well. If Noah Gurley were to commit to Alabama, that means two players would have to believe. So there's a lot of still moving and shaking going on at that Alabama roster. I don't know if you're going to see a lot of guys transfer in. They may be done as far as transfers are concerned. But one thing is to be said, somebody's got to leave. Somebody's got to leave the program at Tuscaloosa. They're one over the limit. We'll be back with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. We'll take a look at that Alabama basketball roster. Also, where does Auburn stand currently with some of its transfer targets? Basketball heavy early on 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 the Line. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lansdahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Topic of conversation here. A little bit of what we talked about yesterday ended up onto my Twitter account and then it blew up it blew up Auburn fans don't want to admit this but Alabama has closed the gap in basketball with the way these two teams are currently recruiting it's an arms race get ready for this to become one of the best rivalries in all of college basketball that's the tweet 
And both sides have taken offense to it for whatever reason. So that means I must be right, right? You have to be right. <laughs> if I'm somewhere sandwiched in between the two, most Auburn fans agree with it. And I, I believe now a lot of Alabama fans are starting to come around to it. But I did have a nice little mob of Alabama fans yesterday in my mentions about it. And they were taking offense to the part where I said gap. But I'm not going to discuss that any further because it's baffling to me. If they can't see it, then they can't see it. They're blind to it. But number to call, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you most specifically here i want to hear from you guys about the state of the auburn alabama basketball rivalry of course we'll talk about anything with you but i want to hear your thoughts about this are you excited if you're an auburn fan or an alabama fan are you excited about the state of this rivalry and for the fact that these two teams they are about to enter into the most intense period of basketball that we've seen between these two teams in both of these schools program history I was about to say if you were if you're going to say maybe ever I was like no definitely in the in the program's history we've never seen these both of these basketball programs be as competitive as they are right now. I think both teams very well next year should be cons- should be competitive on the national stage of college basketball. Alabama's loaded with the backcourt that they've got returning. I think that they're I think that they're missing a little bit in the front court at the moment and we'll get to that in just a second, but Auburn has got a solid recruited class coming in with the number five overall prospect in the country. And then on top of that, they've still got transfers that they're waiting on signatures from, which we'll also get to in just a second. These two teams are about to have possibly two of their most talented rosters that they have had in quite a long time. And to add to it, they're having those rosters at the same time, which I don't believe has ever happened in the history of this rivalry. And then able to consistently sustain it, these two coaches should easily be able to do that this is about to be a pinnacle rivalry in college basketball. Yeah, something that actually frustrates frustrates me a little bit about uh, Auburn. You know, I just think in I'm general. adding that to the word list. Oh, gr- gracious! Don't do it to me, no. <laughs> frustrates. Frustrates. Anyway, frustrates me. Anyway, I'm writing that down. Anyway, uh, just talking about the state of the Auburn basketball program. I feel like we've been written off a little bit, and whenever I say we, I mean me as an Auburn fan, and just talking about Auburn basketball. I think we've been written off a little bit. I don't see them in any preseason top twenty fives for Highly next season. Highly irresponsible. I don't see them in any uh, potential uh, brackets for next year. I don't see them anywhere. Where are they? I think it's because folks don't know about the roster yet. They don't know 100% if JT Thor's coming back. They don't know who all these transfers could be coming. Once again, once these transfers come in, if they do come in, and then once these freshmen get on campus, I think that opinion changes. But, you know, Auburn had to prove had to prove people wrong originally and they did just that so we will see about that but I want to go in the direction now of talking about this Alabama basketball roster as we were teasing before we went to break this Alabama basketball team where do they sit right now roster wise after this signature looking at some of my notes here I did some digging and right now looking at the Alabama basketball roster they are one spot over the scholarship limit at the moment nobody else has announced that they'll be transferring out of the Alabama program but they've got five entries and only four departures they were sitting at the full scholarship limit last year with 13 four of those leave five guys you presume are going to all be on scholarship that they're adding through their recruiting class that they already have signed and then also this most recent transfer in Namari Burnett those five guys coming in J.D. Davidson that top 10 overall player in the country the point guard small forward Jushan Holt power forward Langston Wilson he's a Juco transfer one of the top Juco players in the country center Charles Bediaco and then shooting guard Namari Burnett those are their five entries their four departures for Jordan Bruner 
forward Herb Jones, forward Alex Reese, and guard John Petty Jr. So where does that leave this roster at the moment with all of these entries and then these departures? You got two point guards in J.D. Davison and Javon Quinterly. You've got four shooting guards in Jaden Shackelford, Namari Burnett, Josh Primo, and Keon Ellis. You've got four small forwards in Jushan Holt, James Rojas, Juwan Gary, Darius Miles. You've got three power forwards in Langston Wilson, Alex Chaku, and Keon Ambrose Hilton. And then you got one center with Charles Bediaco. Sounds like a loaded roster, but once again, I go back to somebody's got to go. Somebody's got to go. And then also talking about that front court, it's, not, it's like, oh, well, you could make an argument that they have talent, but they, they've only got one guy at the center position right now. Which and, isn't how Alabama likes to play basketball. No. It's more about having two power forwards and then also possibly just one power forward and then one small forward. They could decide to load up on guards completely. But if they do that, I think you see this Alabama team having a difficult time defending the rim. And I think you see them having a difficult time in terms of rebounding next year, which I don't think they had the best front court in the country this season but it was more effective than what we've seen in recent years with Bruner coming in it definitely helped them with that the Yale transfer this past year but they lose that and I think largely you look at this front court Chaku didn't play a whole lot Langston Wilson's a new body how much is the Juco transfer going to move the needle for this front court in comparison to what they already had on the roster this past year Keon Ambrose Hilton only played 75 total minutes this year Charles Bediaco a freshman and relatively lower end as a freshman as well in terms of some of the other guys that Alabama is recruiting still a good freshman nonetheless but in terms of the other players in this class he's one of the lower end players on it and then you got a ton of small forwards that are all sitting at about 6'6", 6'8". You're lacking a lot of depth up front at least quality depth up front if you're Alabama. Yeah, also, I do want to point out, actually, according to uh, the 24-7 Sports Composite, Bediaco and JV, J.D. Davidson are two of the top six recruits that Alabama has signed in program history. Wow. Uh, so, you know, Alabama's bringing in talent, but they're not bringing in talent at the positions that they need to fill. At least it That's right. They it brought in more like guards. It. It's, that's right. And then just looking at the guys that they lost last year. It's like, but maybe that's how Alabama wants to play. Right. I was about to say, looking at the guys that they lost last year and the, all these different talented guards and forwards. They lost three forwards and bring right. in all these guards. Right, right, right. So I, I don't understand what exactly the direction they're trying to go in, but I do want to point out that it looks awfully a lot like the way Bruce Pearl wanted to f- to shape his uh, Auburn teams early on in his tenure. Obviously, this is going to be the most talented backcourt in the SEC. J.D. Davison is going to be... He's going to be up for freshman player of the year more than likely when it's all said and done. He's one of the highest recruited freshmen to enter into this league when you're a top 10 overall player that puts you in that category. Javon Quinterly, there's going to be quite a battle there at point guard between Quinterly and at J.D. Davison, whoever starts there, we'll see. Quinterly's got a year of experience on him. He was also a former Villanova commit, you know, so this is still a talented group in that point guard room, one of the best point guard rooms in the entire SEC, I would imagine. Then you look at the shooting guard group, Namari Burnett, a former five-star player. Now, last year did not look good with Texas Tech. He only played in 12 games, shot 28% from the field, just 17% from three. Burnett did not have a good year last year, and he's trying to restart that at Alabama which was a school that heavily recruited him out of high school Jaden Shackelford obviously we know how well that guy can fill up a stat sheet in terms of scoring Josh Primo had a stretch of games in the middle of the SEC schedule where he was torching opponents and scoring in the double digits with consistency and then Keon Ellis had a couple of good tournament games as well so you talk about a backcourt 
best in the SEC more than likely. Oh, for sure. And talking about a guy like J.D. Davidson, you know it would be a shame if uh, he got a really nice car and the NCAA said, hey, let me take a look at that real quick and shut him down for a couple of weeks. But, you know, I, I would hate to see that happen, but I, I wouldn't put put it past the NCAA. But you're talking about this backcourt. Yeah, well, still. <laughs> Talking about the this backcourt, you're talking about how it might might be the most talented in the SEC. I think by year's end, if Burnett does not have a good year, we may be talking about Auburn as potentially having the best backcourt in the SEC. And I know that sounds crazy with the loss of Sharif Cooper, but you're looking at these guys that Auburn is bringing in. These it's one of the transfers. most experienced backcourts in the SEC. Going, I think it fills that category. It's going to be one of the most experienced. And I think if you do end up bringing in a guy like Ty Ty Washington, there's some serious potential for. There's some serious juice in that backcourt. You're right. Top-level talent at that guard position. And we'll get to that throughout later on in the show. But there's a lot of experience in that backcourt for Auburn, for sure. And Alan Flanagan leading the charge amongst those guards alongside Devin Cambridge. Those guys entering year three now on the Plains. And we saw how much better Alan Flanagan got this past year. Still talking about this Alabama team, though, and what they could be venturing into with the transfer portal. I would be shocked if they go any deeper after Noah Gurley. Because once again, I've already stated, somebody has to leave now already. They're, they're one spot over the scholarship limit. And then after that, if they were to add Noah Gurley, they have to see two guys go. And right now, I'm having a hard time seeing which guy goes already, even if Noah Gurley commits to Alabama. I'm having a hard time seeing what guy leaves. Does James Rojas leave? He's entering his senior season, but largely has been underwhelming at this point for Alabama. Does James Rojas leave? We didn't see a whole lot of Keon Ambrose Hilton. Those are the two guys that I don't think we've seen a whole lot out of yet. Keon Ellis finds himself in a pretty deep shooting guard room as well, and he's probably the fourth man amongst those shooting guards. Shackelford, Burnett, and Primo probably all in front of Ellis, and maybe Ellis going into his senior year wants to see more playing time. Possibly he's a candidate that you could see move out. But at the end of the day, if Gurley commits to Alabama guys have to leave yeah that's right and talking about the makeup of this roster and how guard heavy it is you're right some one of these guards has to leave and it's probably going to be the fourth or fifth string guy but if you're talking about guys to potentially bring in looking past Noah Gurley I don't really know if you can if there's not another front court player available in the transfer portal that you would deem acceptable I mean Noah Gurley I, I believe he's a forward at like six foot eight what 210 uh coming from Furman so played both Alabama and Auburn and that has shaped his recruitment I feel like that's right so outside of Gurley as a front court player another guy that can help protect the rim because you don't really have a lot of those on your roster right now I don't really see where else you could go in the transfer portal if you are Alabama and I don't think they will the recruitment of Noah Gurley seems to suggest though that Alabama is good with two departures and they're I, obviously recruiting him for a reason. They want him. I can understand that because of how how loaded their their guard room is right now. I mean, they, they can afford to lose two or three guys. This is what we were talking about with Auburn uh, before they had all of their different transfers just a month or so ago. It's like, well, Auburn can afford to lose some of these guys that are sitting at the two or three deep because they're so talented. I think Alabama's the leader for Gurley at the moment, just based on things that you read, things that you see. But we'll just have to find out. On the other side of this break, we got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com coming up here on the line with us. Stay with us here on the show. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner, Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Headed to the phone lines now, we got Christian Clemente auburnsports.com and the auburn plainsman with us on the show christian how you doing today my man 
I'm doing good. How about yourself, Noah? Doing pretty well. You know, we're digging in. A lot of rain coming in this weekend. A little bummed to see that. Uh, I believe it, it, it. Correct me if I'm wrong here. I think the scrimmage was canceled for tomorrow for for Auburn students, faculty, and staff due to the rain coming in. It is canceled tomorrow. Um, from my knowledge, they're still going to try and practice tomorrow, but they're just going to move it inside. And then, obviously, the people that were able to go aren't able to go anymore. So that is a little unfortunate. But is there any type of media viewing window? Out, so. Uh, from what we heard, the media viewing window probably will get canceled as well. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. And I know you would have been able to be in the house considering you're you're still an Auburn student. So that would have been that would have been huge. You would have been able to get to watch the scrimmage. Yeah, it would have been nice to see, get a little bit of an early look at the depth chart and get some other things under control, but we'll be able to see most of that next Saturday with A Day. So it's not That's too right. big of a deal. You were going to be our insider in the building. <laughs> we we were gonna have we were gonna have a worm in there, but that's okay. That is okay. Let's get started on this. Then I, I, I've been reading some of the stuff you've been putting out there on AuburnSports.com. The other day, you wrote an article about Auburn defensive line coach Nick Eason's transition to the college game. No college experience for this guy, but he seems to be having a blast right now. What are we seeing from him so far in his first month on the job? Yeah, so I would say Nick Eason has been arguably one of the most impressive coaches to me personally just from getting to talk to him he seems like a fantastic coach the players really like him his fellow coaches like him and he's really excited to be here he was talking about how when the job first popped up he really wanted it obviously went to tracy rocker and then rocker ended up leaving and so then when the job opened up again he knew Derek mason and he pushed really hard to get it and he did get it and he is really happy to be here I think he's going to be a fantastic coach for Auburn. Um, he was talking about how, obviously, he doesn't have that college experience, but he said he's a people person. He can go to a grocery store and talk to a random person for about two hours. So he's really excited about that recruiting process, and I think he's going to be very good at it. I think he is going to be one of the top uh, assistant coaches on this staff. And that's how you build relationships, right? Just talking to people. And I know several people in my life who, who are like that and are so well-known around in the community just it seems like they know everybody I mean, my, my wife is that way but me and my wife can go out and, and she will know somebody i used to joke with her when i first met her I was like wow you really do know everybody and it just comes down to talking to people so I've, I've been really intrigued to see what he's like as a recruiter out there on the recruiting trail talk about another coach that seems to have a lot of energy and seems to like to talk today you had an article go out about another energetic position coach auburn outside linebackers coach burt watts what are we seeing from him in the short time we've had him at auburn yeah, Burt Watts, uh, if you went to that open practice or we had another media viewing window, you would have been hard-pressed to miss Burt Watts. You can hear him yelling, not yelling in a bad way, but just positively encouraging his players and yelling, you know, good job and stuff like that. And you can see him running around and simulating being a quarterback and just doing a bunch of stuff in the drills. Burt Watts has a ton of energy. And even before we got to talk to him, that was something Brian Harson said. That was something that Nick Eason said. He said that those two, they actually, uh, their offices are next door to each other in the athletics complex. And uh, Burt Watts coaching the outside linebackers and Nick Eason coaching the defensive line. They'll go into the hallway and they'll practice drills against each other a little bit to try and see what's working and see what's not. But Burt Watts is a huge energy guy. And I liked him a lot as a hire initially because he was a former defensive coordinator. I'm liking him even more now. I think he is going to be a fantastic guy for Auburn moving forward what type of crossover might we see between those two because although outside linebackers traditionally in like a 4-3 there wouldn't be a whole lot of overlap between them and the defensive line but in the 3-4 
those guys are going to be your pass rushers those guys are going to work closely together what type of crossover might we see between these two groups yeah I mean I think you're seeing a ton of crossover and you will see a lot of it that was one of the things he talked about a lot that him and Nick Eason are really I mean they're bouncing guys back and forth a little bit you know a guy like Derek Hall will work one day with Nick Eason and then the next day he'll work with Burt Watts and they'll go back and forth in practice and just trying to help each other out a little bit. Um, I think there's going to be a ton of crossover in that group and I think both those guys work well together. So I think that's a good thing. How badly do you think that this, both the defensive line and the linebackers, how badly, and I asked this question to Justin Ferguson yesterday, how badly do they need a shot in the arm this season after just not being able to really get home last season, not a lot of energy, both at the, at the, the, the defensive line and occasionally at the linebacker spot, how badly do they need a shot in the arm? Yeah, I think that's a good question. They do need, they need somebody to step up, man. I mean, last year they just really struggled to get to the quarterback, and I don't know how they're going to solve that issue this year. I mean, it's a lot of the same guys. They'll need somebody to step up. Maybe it's Derek Hall. Maybe it's Tyrone Truesdale. But we kind of thought those guys would be the guys that would do it last year, and they haven't really done it. So I think they're going to have to rely on you know, Derek Mason coming up with some different schemes and just coming up with some different plays to be able to do that because I don't they, – they have a lot of talented guys, but they don't have any Derek Browns or Marlon Davidson. So I don't think they're going to be able to rely solely on talent to be able to do that. Speaking of Derek Mason, we broke down the Auburn cornerback group in our 8A depth chart series this week, looking at the entire defensive backfield, which I know Derek Mason is working with the safeties and Zach Etheridge is working with the cornerbacks. What type of personality do you expect the secondary to take on under Zach Etheridge and Derek Mason? Ooh, personality. I think they're going to be, hmm, I think they're going to be confident, but not cocky. I think they know what they're capable of. And I think they're a very talented group. I would even venture as far to say they might be best in the SEC or at least top three, especially once they get Drayshawn Miller. But I don't think this is a group that's going to be heavy on talkers. I mean, we've talked to Roger McCurry uh, as media before. He's a very quiet guy. Smoke Monday could do quiet, the talking for him, right? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Smoke Monday can do some of the talking. But I think they're going to be a very confident group, and they know what they're capable of. But I wouldn't expect them to necessarily – talk about it as much that's generally where we stood yesterday i went with focused i I, they they seem to these these coaches seem to be they they seem to have a high attention to detail Derek mason and and zach etheridge specifically among all the defensive coaches Derek mason because he's all the way up to being a defensive coordinator he's actually had some really intricate defensive schemes and some complicated blitzes that he draws up quarterbacks are gonna have a really hard time dealing with it but then zach etheridge just has this focused air about him He, he does not he doesn't feel like that same energetic, loud, rambunctious personality that you see a lot out of DB. So I would agree with you there. I like quiet, confident. That that was where we were at yesterday as far as the, these defensive backs. Anybody sticking out to you at this point with the, with these cornerbacks? Uh, I would say from what we've been able to see, which has been limited, Jalen Simpson, he was obviously – he had that standout game against Kentucky where people didn't necessarily expect him to spot uh, to start. And he got the spot over Nehemiah Pritchett, and he had that standout game. He got SEC Freshman of the Week, but then he got hurt, and he was never really able to recover from it. But he seems to be fully healthy now, and from what we've been able to see, he's had several solid pass breakups, and seems to be the guy that coaches like a lot. So even with Drayshawn Miller coming in, I would expect Jalen Simpson to receive his fair share of playing time. A lot of what we've talked about on today's show, it's been basketball heavy through the first two segments, and 
what we talked about in the first segment was I feel like on the basketball front Alabama shook the earth under the Iron Bowl rivalry yesterday by adding another talented player to its 2021 recruiting class there these two teams it was just very evident yesterday with how excited Alabama fans were and then Auburn fans just really needing a motivation booster right now or or a morale booster right now because they haven't seen any of their transfers pan through at the moment it felt like arms race right now that's what I'm getting that's the vibe I'm getting right now these two teams are recruiting at a high level and they're bringing in stars on both sides and Auburn hoping to bring in stars in the coming weeks but how have we seen this how have we seen this rivalry change over the past year how has the scope of it changed based on these teams Auburn had a down year Alabama had a great year but Auburn for the past four seasons has been has been the better program yeah I mean we've seen it change a ton I think I mean I think you hit it on the head Alabama's on the rise as much as Auburn fans don't want to really recognize that or maybe admit it it's true they have a very very talented roster next year um, preseason top 25s don't always say anything, but I've seen Alabama as a pretty consensus top 10 team or at least top 15. So I think Alabama will be very talented next year. But I also think Auburn fans need to just relax and wait a little bit for Bruce Pearl. He's got a good plan ahead, and I think Auburn will be a very, very good team next year. Don't reveal all your secrets because I know you guys have a lot of great content out there on AuburnSports.com, but what's the latest on the transfer front from Auburn on, on what you can reveal? Yes, so the main thing Auburn's waiting on now is Walker Kessler, which initially it looked like a two-team race between Auburn and Gonzaga. Now it seems to be Gonzaga has kind of dipped out, and it's Auburn and North Carolina with North Carolina trying to bring him back. Um, His decision could come as soon as right now or really as late as Sunday. I would expect Walker Kessler to have a decision soon. So that's kind of the main piece. Auburn has put all their eggs into the Walker Kessler basket, which means if they don't get him, I wouldn't really expect to see Noah Gurley come in to Auburn on Sunday. He's a great player. Auburn really likes him, but they tried to go all in on Walker Kessler. So that's the main thing to look out for. And then Auburn's really keeping a spot open. They are really hoping that Scooter Henderson will reclassify um, the class of 2021 and that they can have him as another guard next year. So they're hoping to get Kessler and then kind of leave that last spot open and wait for Scoot and see what he does. Bringing up Gurley real quick, because we were talking about him in our previous segment, Alabama's one spot over their scholarship limit at the moment, and, and nobody has announced a transfer, to my knowledge, unless it's happened since the start of the show. And so that means somebody does have to leave. Alabama appears to be the favorite at the moment, but that would mean two more departures. Is that how you're leaning right now? Yeah, I. from what we've heard, Alabama seems to be one of the top teams for Gurley. I do think Auburn realistically does have a decent chance, but I don't. I just don't think they'll be the team that gets him, but from what we've heard, it does kind of look like Alabama will get him, and he is a very, very talented player. Auburn liked him a lot, but they liked Walker Kessler a little bit more. So You can understand that. There's, there's a little bit more of longevity there with Kessler. He's got a lot of eligibility left compared to Gurley, who only have, I think, one season maybe after how much he's played at Furman. Christian, I appreciate you hopping on the show with us today. Tell everybody where they can find all the great content you guys are putting out. Yeah, so you can find my stuff at AuburnSports.com and theplainsman.com, along with uh, on Twitter at Clemente underscore. Christian, I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you. You guys as well. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com here with us on the line. We'll be wrapping up our number one of the show on the other side of this break. Stay with us on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama.
On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama, on foxsports983.com, and on Facebook, that's foxsports983.com. Big thank you there to Christian Clemente, VaulburnSports.com, for joining us on the show in that previous segment. If you missed that conversation or if you ever miss the show, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Before we wrap up our number one here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Happy Friday, a new episode of Shark Tank is on ABC at 7. Over on Discovery, a new episode of Gold Rush is on at 7 as well. Some movie selections for tonight, Angelina Jolie stars in Salt at 7 on AMC. A pair of Ace Ventura movies are on BBC starting at 6 with Ace Ventura Pet Detective and at 8 with Ace Ventura When Nature Calls. In live sports, we have two NBA games on NBA TV with the Memphis Grizzlies and the New York Knicks starting the action at 6.30. Closing out the night, the Washington Wizards and the Golden State Warriors play at 9. A trio of top 25 college baseball games are on this evening on ACC Network at 6. Number 17, Florida State is at number 7, Louisville. In the SEC, number 2, Arkansas and number 3, Ole Miss play on SEC Network at 7. West Virginia and Baylor play at 7.30 on ESPNU. If you missed any of the day's coverage of the Masters, go back and watch from 7 to 10 on ESPN. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Continuing our conversation here on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you about Auburn basketball's roster. We did a breakdown, an extensive breakdown on the Alabama basketball roster and what it looks like at this moment. Now we're going to do it for the Auburn basketball roster and then transfer that knowledge to what's going on in the transfer portal for Auburn at the moment and how we may think it will shake out. So looking at the Auburn scholarship limit right now, entering this season, once Turbo Jones decided to transfer after the first couple of games Auburn had two scholarships if I've looked at this correctly they had two scholarships available to fill they filled those with their two recruits that are already signed with Jabari Smith and then Trey Alexander so those guys are coming in then you had four guys transfer after the season was over or declare for the NBA draft not including JT Thor I'm not including JT Thor yet at the moment because I still feel like he should be coming back to Auburn. Now, of course, you and I were talking off the air. It could be a Peyton Barber-like situation where he just needs to get out of college and get to the next level as fast as possible. It could be that kind of situation. And if that's the case, then we could see him not coming back to Auburn. But I'm still leaving that door open for JT Thor to come back. I'm not guaranteeing that that is, that is not a guaranteed roster spot available yet. That is still reserved for JT Thor in my mind. But the four that I am saying are open, there was Sharif Cooper, Justin Powell, Jamal Johnson, and Javon Franklin. All four of those scholarships opened up when they decided to transfer and or go to the NBA draft. So four leave. Two have been taken. Auburn gets Wendell Green Jr. today, the Eastern Kentucky transfer who was shooting lights out at the end of the season. I know folks may be saying, man, we've got guys from Eastern Kentucky and College of Charleston. Are these guys even good? This guy can score. And for me, when I see mid-majors transferred that could fill up the stat sheet with buckets if a guy's a bucket 
He's a bucket. If a guy can score, he can score at any level. And we've seen that with transfers over time. There was a guy at Oakland a couple of years ago who could who could fill it up. There's another player for some reason that I'm currently that's a currently a miss to me that I wanted to see to go to the NBA and now I'm missing. He was a Mac player. Do you remember who I'm talking about, Lance? I don't. I don't. That's okay. Well, I won't go too deep into it. There are a lot of players all the time, though, that are excellent scorers at the mid-major level, and it does translate to the SEC level. I think Kareem Canty's one of them. When he came from Marshall, there, you there go. are plenty of guys. that. Yeah, I mean, the list could go on and on. I could research that for you for days and find guys that succeeded at the next level. That's a given. So four guys leave. Two guys take those four available scholarship spots. So we are still left at this moment looking at Auburn's roster with two scholarships available and possibly one more available if JT Thor stays in the NBA draft and the guys that Auburn are looking at right now or the guys that Auburn is looking at at the moment Walker Kessler as Christian Clemente said in our previous segment Auburn's going hard after him so that could be that's one spot that they want to see filled by Kessler and then I would say that they want one more guard a part of this whether Henderson reclassifies either Pinson transfers from Missouri or they get the high school signature from Ty Ty Washington. I think Auburn is in the running for all three of those guys. But I think you see Kessler and then a combination of one of those guards. Yeah, so actually just looking at Auburn's potential roster makeup next year, just talking about the starting five, do you think Zepp or Wendell starts at the point guard position, or do you think somebody else takes that spot? It depends on who transfers. If Xavier Pinson were to come to Auburn, I think he could take that spot. If Ty Ty Washington was to come to Auburn, I think that you could make an argument for him to be able to start there i don't know we don't know what the roster looks like yet so i'm a little more reserved to say that because i think there's still a point guard out there for auburn to bring in right so just looking at that potentially then auburn could go either zepp green ty ty washington xavier pinson or scoop henderson there's so many different things that are still yet to be figured out and then looking at the shooting guard position you could either have cambridge trey alexander or if you have to move things around you could put flanagan at that position we saw him play that a little bit last year and point guard i would rather see him at the small forward position maybe because i I don't like like what auburn's got at the two guard spot unless trey alexander is going to be a consistent scorer i can't have devin cambridge starting at the two guard because alan flanagan and devin cambridge are not the most efficient scorers on the planet i agree so do you think we could maybe see a guy like xavier pinson who i believe is like six three move into that shooting guard position once again, it's too it's too early to predict at the moment. My point being that the, there are a lot of things down the line that could potentially happen, but the makeup of the roster right now with the players that we have right now, Auburn's got a very, very talented team. And if you add more guys like Walker Kessler or Scoot Henderson, this team, like you said, I believe it was two or three months ago saying that I don't care what happens, Auburn is going to be a top 10 team preseason next year. And if they do add these guys... They're for sure a preseason top 10 team. I would say for sure because in my mind. I think that in your mind, sure, you may say the roster's talented on that level, but I don't think the AP ends up, I don't think that that poll ends up getting voted that way because folks, I still believe, turn a blind eye to some of these SEC schools like Auburn because Auburn hasn't fully entered that national status year in and year out. But I do think people are more aware of the program and whatnot. I'll say this you love. You and Levi love this term, veteran guard play. You guys love that. And that is the secret to success in college basketball, veteran, talented guard play. Auburn's going to have that next year. In some form or fashion, there are going to be guys everywhere that have experience playing and being starters wherever they're from, whether it be transfers, whether or not they were at Auburn. They're going to be led by Alan Flanagan. The front court, though, filled up with some of the best young talent that we've seen go into the Auburn front court in quite some time. That's and they're right. all there at the same time, especially if JT Thor comes back. That's right. Because you got JT Thor, you got Jamari Smith, you got Dylan Cardwell, who I think will take a big jump forward next year. He showed all the intangibles this year. Let's see if 
that is coupled with better basketball IQ and just being generally more comfortable. Am I forgetting other front court players at the moment? We, Walker Kessler, maybe that would be huge. Jalen Williams, recruit. Jalen Williams. I is forget Jalen Williams. You're correct. Devin yeah. Cardwell has to be in there some somewhere for maybe four Dylan or five Cardwell. minutes. Oh my, my my bad. Yeah, I already, I already got him. But then on top of that, then uh, Baba Tunde, maybe he gets better. Who knows? Who knows? That does it for hour number one of On the Line. Lance and I will be back in just a few moments here for hour number two. We got a packed show for you guys. Baseball, Britt Bowen's going to lead off hour number two with us, talking a little Auburn softball. Stay with us here on On the Line. You are On the Line, live on Fox Sports Central Alabama. On 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner, Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. And leading off hour number two with us, we got a special guest on the phone lines twice in one week. And that's the first time that's ever happened on the show. We got big time Britt Bowen, Auburn softball play-by-play announcer, joining us on the line. Britt, how you doing today, my man? Doing well. I feel honored, man. Twice in one week. First time this ever happened on the show. Like, I'm not going to lie. I feel pretty special. That is. Uh, we we got to come up with a name for something like this. I, I, don't, I don't know what to call it. I don't want to get somewhere as cringy as, like, double cheeseburger or something. But Britt coming in here with the double cheeseburger meal on On the Line. Britt, I appreciate you hopping on with us, talking some Auburn softball. Similar to Auburn baseball right now at the moment, though. Auburn softball is going through a bit of a rough patch at one and eight in SEC play with five series remaining, what does this squad need to do to turn it around? Right now, it's pretty simple. I think it starts mentally. Uh, they, they've got to stop pressing in all areas of the game. Um, I mean, it, from from fielding to hitting to pitching. Um, I, right now, I think everybody's playing with with uh, just a lot of pressure on their shoulders. You know, trying to do too much, whether it be at the plate or whether it be in the field defensively, because Auburn hasn't been hitting as well lately. I think the defense is now starting to press. And at times this year, defense is, has been our strength behind our pitching. So I think first and foremost, it's got to start mentally. you got to hit the reset button and, and try to find a way to gain that confidence back because to win in this league in, in any sport, it's just too deep talent-wise. So like you've got to have the confidence. If you aren't playing with confidence, you're beat before you ever step foot on the field. So Auburn's got to find a way to get that swagger back tonight at Texas A&M. In baseball, it seems the magic number to make it to the NCAA tournament as far as conference wins are concerned, it it seems to be 15 most years. Of course, Auburn back in 2019 made it on a 14-16 and record. But is it the same threshold in softball? And if not, what mark is this team needing to hit to get into the postseason? Softball is a little different, in my opinion, uh, because we've had years in the SEC where all 13 teams have made the NCAA tournament. It, it, it kind of varies from year to year, honestly. It, it varies. I mean, because like right now, look, the ACC is a much better conference. Well, what are other conferences doing around the country? How good is the Pac-12? How good is the Big 12? Things of that nature. So for Auburn right now, I, I, I don't think you can even look ahead to the postseason right now. At 1-8 in the SEC – 
19 and 11 overall. Like, I think they have the resume from a non-conference standpoint, really helped getting a win over Florida State. But right now, Auburn's got to find a way. Uh, being swept twice in the league, I'm just being honest with you with who's left on the schedule. Auburn's got to take it one series at a time at this point and find a way to get series wins. Stop, don't worry about sweeps, but find a way to get get series wins. Because right now, going up against Texas A&M, they're kind of in the same boat. They're only three games ahead of Auburn because they actually swept South Carolina two weekends ago. Um, South Carolina's struggling right now. They're winless in the SEC. So Texas A&M's kind of approaching this weekend just like Auburn. This is a must-win series, in my opinion, it's for both programs, but especially for Auburn. Because with Kentucky coming in next weekend, Kentucky's playing great softball. They beat Alabama two out of three. Going on the road to Ole Miss, that's another very winnable series. Tennessee and LSU are winnable series. But right now, you've got to get that confidence back. And, and I think if Auburn could, uh, could come out and win at least 70% of their games from here on out, I, I, I think we'll – will set them up at a strong bid for an NCAA tournament. Because, listen, if you go 5-5, five and five, or even if you go 500 the rest of the way, I think they've got a fighting chance. But they need to find a way to, to avoid getting swept from here on out. That's one thing that does not need to happen. And you got to win some series. I, I think if Auburn goes the rest of the way and does not win an SEC series, they, well, I mean, look, I, I think they're going to be on the bubble come – come late May, and because, uh, again, you, you, you have to win series to, to prove you're worthy uh, of an NCAA tournament bid, and, and that starts this weekend in College Station. Talking about sweeps, Auburn got swept last week in Arkansas in a series where Auburn only scored one, one, one run in the entire Arkansas series, and they scored, they've scored just 10 across the last six games. What are you seeing from this Auburn order at this point in the season? Well, first and foremost, I see a lot of inexperience just because I, I think the season last last year getting canceled, not making any excuses, it's just the reality. There are a lot of younger classmen that just did not get reps last year. Took not valuable to reps away. Auburn's relying on some Yeah, it did. And the same thing happened for, for, for baseball in a sense. I think more so is hurting, hurting softball a little more than it is baseball right now. But for, for, for softball, I, I think that has a little bit to do with it. But also, too, you look at the two series that Auburn got swept in, Arkansas and Alabama, and look, you got to score runs. What One run in 21 innings is not acceptable. Coach Dean will, will be the first to tell you that. No one's happy about that. But I do want to take the time to give credit to Mary Half and Autumn Storm from Arkansas. I mean, they, they came in with a plan, and, and they shut Auburn down last weekend. Same with Alabama and their pitching staff led by Montana Fountain in, in, in the opening weekend of conference play back in early March. So, I mean, the, the Auburn's faced some very good pitching staffs. I mean, Auburn's faced already the top two teams in the SEC. That's just the luck of the draw that Auburn's had. But I, I think the other half of it right now is coming back to the mental side, Auburn's inability to make adjustments midway through the game. I mean, you look at adjustments that other teams are making third and fourth time through the lineup versus the adjustments that Auburn is making third and fourth time through the lineup. It's a night and day difference. And, um, uh, timely hitting has been a bit of an issue. I mean, Auburn lost game game two, three to nothing, and game three, two to nothing. And, and Auburn had chances to drive in runs in, in both of those games last weekend. And then you go back to the weekend before to, to March 27th, Auburn uh, lost six to five in game two against Missouri and lost game one by one run, two to one. And uh, game two of that series, 
it was, it was reversed. Auburn had the offense. They scored five runs, the most runs they've scored in a, in a conference game this year. But for the one game, did not have the support in the pitching circle. And, and Matty Penta did not pitch that weekend. So um, for Auburn, they've got to find a way to put it together. And, and, and this weekend is a chance to do that. A&M has, has two solid arms in the circle. And, uh, and to watch just a couple of names to watch out for, Caleb Pointer, Mackenzie Herzog. I think that both of those players will be the top two. We, we could see, I think it's Grace Europe. I, I, I probably got that name wrong. I need to do, uh, correct that before opening pitch tonight. But There's a pronunciation the guide. Arms. I mean, all, all, all ERAs are, 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 are two or higher. Okay, so Auburn's ERA is, is a little bit better as a team, especially with Shelby Lowe and, and Matty Penta with how they're pitching right now. So, I, I, I think Auburn has the upper hand right now in, in the pitching circle, and I certainly hope that goes to their favor tonight to, and, and gives Auburn a chance to get the bats going a bit. Yeah, we can talk about the hitting woes all we want, but I'm, I'm sure it's a lot more fun to talk about this pitching staff, which is, to me, reminiscent of some of those arms Auburn had in its trip to Oklahoma City just a few years ago, which seems like an eternity ago. But for people out there who may not be keeping up at the moment with this Auburn softball team, what's so great about this tandem at the top with Matty Pinta and Shelby Lowe? It's just a sure talent. I, I don't know if we've ever had two freshman pitchers as talented as this duo ever, and, that, and that's including Marcy Harper and Lexi Davis, and that was a pretty good duo. I know Marcy, she was above – 100 strikeouts, I think, her freshman season. Shelby's already hit that point this year. Shelby's the, the, only the fifth freshman to ever do that. I, I, I think Maddie, if she keeps going, she's at 76 strikeouts. I think she's going to get there before the end of the year. But you're right. I mean, uh, this is one of the most talented duos Auburn has had as, as younger classmen. And uh, I think uh, a, a lot of that has to do just with their, their, their spin and their approach in the circle. I mean, uh, the, the, they have talent that – no, to be quite, quite, quite honest with you, it's just not teachable. Um, so Auburn's very lucky in that aspect. You know, Maddie, uh, she's a hard-throwing righty. She lives in the mid-60s to lower 70s. She's got a rise, a curve, a change, and a drop-ball. She, she does a great job of, of living on the corners. Her only problem is when, when the umpire decides to shrink the zone, which has happened a time or two in SEC play, has come back to hurt her, her walks have increased a bit. So, we need her walks to decrease this weekend for her to be successful. And then Shelby Lowe, I, I mean, Shelby has ice in her veins. There is no situation that, that is too big for her. At least we, she hasn't shown it shown it yet. She's going to live in, in the in the mid-60s and may touch up her 60s a bit. Got a great change up, but, but her curveball, her rise ball, her best two pitches. And uh, I, I tell you, she, she she's 8-3 right now. She should be about 10-1. With how she's pitched the last couple of weeks, she she pitched great last weekend against Arkansas. Pitched pitched great against um, against Missouri. Deserved another win there, and just unfortunately did not have the run support. So I I, I would like to think Shelby's gonna gonna start tonight in game one, but who knows? Coach Dean he went back to Maddie last weekend in game one, and given that Auburn Auburn did not score runs last weekend, I I, I truly I don't think it really matters much between Shelby or Maddie. Who starts tonight? I think a lot of it's going to depend on the scout and the matchup and, and, and Coach Dean. That's his strength to decide that. But uh, regardless of who starts, Auburn's got to play defense behind them, and Auburn's also got to hit. Uh, as I mentioned before, I, I think the defense is, is starting to press a little bit, uh, primarily because B 
the offense has not been performing, so it's putting more pressure on the defense to make plays. They're rushing, rushing throws, and, and, and they're rushing their feet and, and, and just trying to catch the ball. So right now, Auburn's got to play simple, keep everything in front, and, and as I mentioned before, play with confidence to, to hopefully that'll carry over at the plate. What does Auburn have to do to win this series against Texas A&M? As far as matchups are concerned, you talked a little bit about what A&M does well. We know what Auburn does well. It's pitching in the circle. Is it really as simple as Auburn's got to bring the bats this weekend? I, for, for me right now, yes. I, I think you you have to bring the bats and, and play defense. Um, I think I, I would like to see K.K. Dismukes and, 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 and Matty Penta be a little sharper in the circle this weekend. I, I don't want to put it all on Shelby. Um, but also, too, I mean, at the top, listen, like, Auburn's got some talented kids. Sidney Cox is one that is swinging the bat as good as anybody right now, along with Tyler King. Okay, like it, those two have been, I've been swinging it fairly well for Auburn. Tyler had two hits last weekend, and uh, Sydney, she had two hits last weekend as well. Sydney had, a, excuse me, had a four-hit weekend against Missouri two weeks ago. But Auburn needs other players to step up. I think Alyssa Rivera is a player that that's been playing well. Hasn't been talked about a lot a ton because of her average, but if you look at her production in conference play, she's driven in some critical runs. Uh, she drove, drove in the one run last week against uh, Arkansas and drove in two runs against Missouri. Auburn needs the upperclassmen, Rivera, McKenna Dowell, Justice Perry. Auburn's got to get the bats going with them, and then Auburn's got to get some productions out of their catchers. Right now, Abby Tischer and, and Aspen Godwin, both capable hitters. Aspen brings power. And uh, Abby Tischer has been – she's had some good swings the last couple of weeks, but she's had no hits to show for it. Auburn's got to find a way to put that together. And then also, too, the same thing for Auburn center fielder, Michaela Packer and Kaylee Horton. Right now, both of those are kind of bouncing in and out of the lineup because there just hasn't been consistency. Both have the capability, especially with a short game. And then and then finally, it's the same for, for Auburn's third baseman and – and designated player Kelsey Schmidt and uh, Sydney Garcia, or excuse me, Lindsey Garcia, have been bouncing back and forth as, as the DT. And, and Madison Ketchum's had a great glove at third. She's got to be more consistent. Right now, she's only got two hits on the on the year. Both came in, in critical spots against Missouri a couple weekends ago, but she was over for last week. So just just to give you a brief rundown on the lineup. Auburn's got to find a way to put all of those things together. Because again, I, I the talent is there. I, I truly believe that the talent is there. But they've got to have one big inning to where they they can start to get to get hitting to be contagious in that dugout. It's happened a couple times a couple times this year, and and when it does, it, they can't be stopped. But right now, the stats don't lie. I mean, Auburn is hurting at the plate. They're the last in the league in average RBIs and runs scored. Okay, so. That, that tells you right there, if you don't score runs, you won't win. The pitching is great. It, it, it truly is, and, and Auburn's pitching is, is giving them a chance, but pitching does not score runs for you. And uh, to, put, to put it simple, Auburn has to score runs this weekend, and, and, and they've got to find a way to make adjustments at the plate. Brett, are you going to be in College Station this weekend? I wish, because College Station has incredible tacos, uh, at, at, at this place called Fuego. It's only in College Station in Waco, Texas, uh, the home of the reigning national champions in men's basketball, the Baylor Bears. So, uh, unfortunately, I will be within the friendly confines of Jordan-Hare Stadium. I uh, want to take the time to, to thank our partners at Wardle Productions and also the Auburn Sports Network to make that possible because 
just due to COVID and everything. We're actually approved to travel now. I'm hoping to make some trips here in the coming weeks. Ole Miss has not approved us to travel, so we will be in in the football stadium again for that series. But I'm hoping for the Chattanooga midweek game and then Baton Rouge and then postseason, we'll actually be able to travel again with the softball team. Well, my question, my last question here for you then was, what's it been like this year doing that then? Because this has probably been a unique year for you calling ball games. You've probably never done anything like this. It, it, you're right. I, I never have, and it, it, it is unique. You're right, and and as easy it is for for me to sit here and complain about about views and not be able to travel and all 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 of those things. Honestly, guys, I, I'm just thankful to be able to call games this year. Um, as much as I love what I get to do, and, and Noah, I know you have the same passion with, with the opportunities that you have. It doesn't it doesn't beat being on site at the venue, whether it be the field or the arena, wherever it may be, that, that view and that atmosphere is, is second to none. Uh, but, but this year, due to the circumstances, we are lucky that uh, we have been able to call, up until this point, every game but three between women's basketball and softball games this year. Men's basketball and baseball has been able to call every game. Uh, men's bat- or baseball has not been, had to be remote at all, which is a, a blessing for Brad and Andy, but, you know, like, Again, this year we're we're just lucky we're able to provide the coverage that we are, and primarily all thanks to the coverage from Royal Productions, ESPN, and the SEC Network for allowing us the feed to to call remotely. Because otherwise, it would not be possible. And and again, it's, it's easy to sit here and complain, but man, I, I'm just just thankful to have a have a job this year, especially after going from from March last year uh, to not having anything to call all spring and and throughout the summer so we're, we're, we're just lucky to be here brett i appreciate you taking the time to hop on with me man tell everybody where they can hear you this weekend hey no i appreciate it and uh you can hear us on tiger 95.9 this weekend also online at auburntigers.com and the auburn tigers app for free we play at six o'clock tonight on the air at 545 tomorrow we have a later start uh, also it's a four o'clock start on the air at 345 same station 95.9 and the Auburn Tigers app, and then we have an early start on Sunday, 11 a.m. start. It'll be brunch at the ballpark with a 10:45 airtime uh, this weekend in College Station. And no, I do have one more question for you. Uh, how is the uh, the coaching efforts going with Georgia Southern basketball? I hear you're invested <laughs> in that program now, at least according to your social media. That's right, I I am invested. You know, uh, I haven't talked about that out here. I've talked about my NCAA football ventures on this show but i haven't told people that i've been sucked back into ncaa basketball and it always happens at this time of the year i always get sucked back into my ncaa basketball video games when the ncaa tournament rolls around that's when i get the itch to go and play in an ncaa tournament on the video game and you know we're seven to two we're doing pretty well we got some tough non-conference games coming up gonna look forward to playing alabama in a week or two if we can get out of non-conference play as well as we're doing right now maybe uh maybe we got a shot well, I'll say this, and then I'll get off your show because I know you're probably tired of me at this point. Um, my 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 power supply died on my Xbox 360, and I have NCAA March Madness 2010. So you've inspired me to seek out a power supply for my 360 unit so i can get back in the game so i'll I'll, I'll keep you updated on that on my next time returning to the show yeah keep me updated on that journey because it's it's hard to find stuff on 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 360s and whatnot out there in this time without because it it became super popular when ncaa football declined now everybody wants one so good luck with that my man 
All right, guys. Appreciate it. War Eagle, thanks again for having me on. Thank you, Britt Bowen, Auburn softball play-by-play announcer. Going to enjoy listening to him this weekend for some Auburn softball. Keeping up to date with that action over the weekend. Crucial series against the Texas A&M Aggies. On the other side of this break, we come back. We talk top five transfer fits for this upcoming college football season. You don't want to miss it. Back on On the Line, Noah Garner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. The Max Roundtable, On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, Analysis, News and More, seven hours of local sports talk. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. Also on Facebook, you can watch the show. It's great. We're live right now on Facebook. We're live streaming the show. Every day, we're live streaming the show on Facebook on ESPN 106.7, Radio Alabama Sports, and Fox Sports Central Alabama Facebook pages. So wherever in our listening area that you've got us, on those Facebook pages, you can go and find it anywhere in the world. (laughs) So that's another way that you can tune into us, something that we started this past week, and I'm glad that we're getting to do it. Big thank you to Britt Bowen, Auburn softball play-by-play announcer in that previous segment. If you missed him joining us on the show and you want to go and get some of that or if you ever miss any the, the show ever if you ever miss a show go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast you can also listen to the podcast anywhere in the world in the world <laughs> <laughs> so go and find the podcast once again wherever you get your podcast i tease this coming into this segment what are the top five transfer fits for this upcoming college football season we dive into that now and this has been a segment that has been a couple of days in the making and i'm glad we finally gotten to get to it i was thinking about it when we were talking about glaring issues in college football teams and all the way back to who could go undefeated just another fantastic offseason list here who are your top five transfer fits for the upcoming college football season guys that have already committed and and, and, and what fit like how good of a fit is this compared to other ones in college football i've got six on my list i couldn't just limit it to to five i had to put an honorable mention in there because i think it's going to work out but i did lean more towards offensive guys than defensive guys and when i was going through the 24 7 sports transfer portal to see all of where everybody went i was underwhelmed i was like man there, there weren't more blockbuster transfers than this it seems like there has been but i guess not especially at the quarterback position just going through i'm like man we're still waiting on a couple of guys though i think milton from J- michigan Joe milton still yeah has still not looking yeah but just uh, the looking at the quarterback position i was like man goodness gracious just like two years ago we had a really good transfer class with guys like jalen hurts in it but but it has since died down and i'm not quite sure what to attribute that to uh, maybe it was COVID. Maybe it had something to do with p- uh, players just kind of sticking where they're at, or maybe players graduating, or maybe wanted to stick around for another year at their respective program. Who knows? Also, want to throw something out there. We got a comment on our Facebook stream from Anthony Grant on our on our Facebook stream here on ESPN 106.7. He said, "Wendell Green is legit. I sure hope so. I'm looking forward to it." And you guys can go and comment as well on the Facebook videos as well that's one other way you can get in touch with us in addition to tweeting at us at point gardner at lance well maybe that should be just what you are at lance doll <laughs> i might as well change it levi's is just his name at levi fitzwater but your your twitter handle at intern jaws that was just all automatic right there you're at intern jaws i'm at point gardner that's how you can find us on twitter 
You can comment also on our Facebook videos. We'll try and answer any questions that you may have if that's how you want to reach us. Also, you can reach us through the phone lines, 334-321-1390. A plethora of ways for you get to get in contact with us here on On the Line. We should open up a text number like the Roundtable has. That's something that we should that we should look into as well. I agree. That would be a, a more convenient way for people to actually engage in text. I, I, pref- I actually prefer whenever I want to actually talk to the Max Roundtable, I actually do prefer to just text the hotline instead of calling in. Another fun comment that we've gotten today on Fox Sports Central Alabama's Facebook page, friend of the program, Jeremy Law, he tweeted, let's see what these barns are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Appreciate you, uh, Jeremy. Missed you, my man. Still need to uh, go and get some food. I'm looking forward to seeing you on Monday. See if anybody's commented anywhere else. Those are, our, those are two comments that we've gotten today on the show. Appreciate everybody reaching out. But let's get back to this. Top five transfer fits for the upcoming college football season. I'm going to give you my honorable mention, the guy that did not make the list. And then we'll get to your five and my five, and then we'll move on through this. My honorable mention here, cornerback Tyreek Stevenson from Georgia to Miami. This guy was good at Georgia, and he's one of the lone returning starters that decided to leave. He was a part of like six guys that are leaving the Georgia defensive backfield. Georgia has good DBs year in and year out. Miami needs the help on that side of the football. It's a good fit. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And just talking about potential, uh, I think a couple of days ago, talking about potential teams to upset Clemson and the ACC. You know, Miami's been need retooling. DBs to do it. You need defensive backs to do it. And that's just another addition to what is a very veteran Miami team this season. Who's your five? Uh, I, I went in a little bit of a different direction, and my number five is a guy that I just simply just like. I just like his playing style, and I went with him not necessarily because he's a high-profile guy or he's necessarily a fantastic fit for this program. I just really like him as a player. Anthony Russo uh, from Temple University at least you put him at fifth <laughs> to, to, to Michigan State. Yeah, I didn't want to put him any higher on the list, but I really like this kid. Uh, I think he has a great arm. He has the ability to make some mistakes. 44 touchdowns and 32 interceptions in his time as temp- so, at Temple. college version of Jameis Winston. Exactly, but but I really like this kid. I think he's going to do well in, at the Michigan State program. We were talking earlier. I was like, wait, did Rocky Lombardi leave? And I was like, he yes, did. he actually did. He's at uh, Northern Illinois right so now. So he's got a shot to start. That's right, but uh, Anthony Russo, I believe, will be the the quarterback of uh, the future for the Spartans I'm really excited to see what he can do how many years has he got do you know uh, he has one more year I want to say he was play- he played three years at Temple and he's immediately yeah, he's eligible more. so he's got one more year his senior year this year at Michigan State my five I'm going running back Ty Chandler from Tennessee to North Carolina North Carolina just lost both of their running backs not one but two of their starting running backs from last season they need Ty Chandler and this Tennessee backfield is as as many jokes as people want to make about the Tennessee football program I've got three guys transferring for Tennessee on my list to locations where I think they're going to be used correctly and they're going to be surrounded by not only good coaching but also good players and that's going to make them better and this North Carolina program has seen a serious uptick in talent under Mac Brown as their new head coach they needed a running back Ty Chandler now offers his services to the North Carolina Tar Heels and he's probably going to be the starter out there he's a good running back with Tennessee not the leader because Eric Gray was that this year he'll, he'll make an appearance on my list later and you might have had four Tennessee volunteers if Henry Tooto had actually committed to a school we, we don't know quite where he's going yet uh, he would definitely ta- be on my list very talented occurred. yeah the very talented linebacker out of Tennessee but I actually have another Tennessee running back on my list and we'll get to him later on so Eric Gray for both of us will be coming up yep here on on the line We'll do behind enemy baselines on the other side of this break, talking Auburn baseball series. Agent Sting reporting for duty. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. 
Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Lance Dahl on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Speaking of high school sports content, big win for Auburn baseball yesterday. Lance, you were running the board for Scott Bagwell yesterday. You got to hear a top 20 national meeting between Carrollton and Auburn and Auburn took it to him yeah that's right I got to board up for that game you know Auburn Auburn all season has been very consistent very solid and from from the pitching mound but last last night 15 hits against the number nine team in the country that was a season high for Auburn I mean they absolutely destroyed them at 11 point at one point this Auburn baseball team had 10 different pitchers who had appeared in a game and not allowed to run. It was in there. That was through like midseason. Their pitching staff is very, very good. I, I've not, yeah. get to, I've got not gotten to see them in person, but just board hopping their games. They sound like a very, very good baseball team. It's one of the best teams that I can remember. I just can't wait to see them in playoff baseball. It's going to be a lot of fun because oh, yeah. they just don't. They, they, they're like what 25, 26 and two, but they just twenty five and two. They just don't lose. They just don't. No, they don't. They've lost, the teams that they have lost to are, are at least good. Right? Really good. Really good. <laughs> and that's just baseball. You know, you expect more losses because baseball is a funny game. But it's time for a new segment. Well, a segment that we debuted last week, and we're coming back to it because Auburn can't seem to get a midweek game on the schedule to actually be played, whether it be for weather or COVID reasons. But we've got Agent Sting with us here for Behind Enemy Baselines, giving us a scouting report on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Hit that high key, Sting, and get after it, my man. <laughs> All right. So what do we got? Well, obviously we're playing Mississippi State this weekend. Just gonna cut. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. I just I don't know. I don't know. You I don't hope know, never... that we are. I mean, there's some bad weather coming through. Right, the that's true. We may not get to have a game. I until joked Sunday. with you and I said triple header Sunday. Right, they may not have a first game until Sunday afternoon. So yeah. Anyway, I doubt that. Yeah, maybe. I, I guess we'll find out. Do what the Braves do. Play seven innings. I think baseball should be a seven inning game anyway. Now let's all board up the doors as the pitchforks come our way. But. Yeah, I don't know about that. That that, that, be, that might be more controversial than the, uh, that tweet you put out yesterday. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be because baseball is a dying game, it seems. But Sting, keep uh, it going, my man. All right. So Mississippi State's record right now: they're twenty-one and seven, and five and four in the SEC. Their top ten ranked squad in all but one major poll, I believe, Baseball America. I think maybe the only one that has them ranked outside the top ten. Really? Because they're top five in some polls right yeah, now. Like DeerBaseball.com's got them at five. I think they're as high as four in the ones that it showed me, and then okay. there was one that had them all the way down at twelve. I'm not really sure why, but it was interesting spread. Uh, the coach is Chris Lamonis. He's in his third season. His record at Mississippi State is 85 and 26. He's a winner. He is a winner, yeah, and that's a little skewed from last year, not having any conference play last year, but still very, very good record. I don't think it's that skewed at all. Mississippi State's going to do that regardless of whether or not there's conference play. It's his third season, and he hasn't actually – well, maybe they're not counting last year. I'm sure they're counting last year. This is his third season, and he's really only had two full seasons. You're right. Well, this is like a season and a half now, right? I guess it is about (laughs) two full seasons because it was about half a season last year. Yeah. Anyway. Auburn's uh, historic record against Mississippi State: ninety-five, one hundred and eleven, and one. So kind of on, the, on the losing a little bit, but and a lot of that losing has been on the road. I saw they had a record there; it was uh, at Starkville and at Auburn. 
I'll be real. That's a little bit better than I would have expected, considering Mississippi State is one of the historic programs in the SEC. I I agree. I would I would have thought it would be worse, which is why it kind of makes sense that the majority of Mississippi State's wins are at home. It was like fifty nine and thirty something, I think, for Mississippi State at home. Auburn leads the series when it's played in Auburn, fifty two and forty one record. Okay. Yes. Okay. Looking promising. All right. Yeah. Uh, what are some statistics we've got see, yeah, on the Bulldogs? So I, I got a couple of quick stats here. Just team overall batting average, uh, 272, 6.8 runs per game. Pedestrian. Not the 6.8 yeah, runs per game. In conference yeah. play, they're only averaging like 4.2. Yeah, it is low, right? And then a 2.76 team ERA. And here's what really sticks out to me. The opponent batting average against Mississippi State is uh, 189. Their pitching is really, really good. They don't, it's they outstanding. Don't guys... It's one of the best staffs in the country. Yeah, for sure. And then a couple of players watch. I, I do have the last game. The last game they played, their midweek game, was against Southern University. Mississippi State won 15-1. It's uh, the Bulldogs' fourth win in a row after they swept number 21 Kentucky last weekend at home. Brought the Wildcats down a peg after they swept definitely Auburn. Definitely did, yeah, definitely did. Yeah, and then a couple quick players to watch here. I'm going to start with uh, Tanner Allen. He leads the team with a three twenty four batting average, and he has 25 RBIs. And Luke Hancock has a little bit lower here, 265 batting average, but leads the team with seven home runs and 28 RBIs. So when he does get a hit, it's usually a big one. He accounts for a quarter of their home runs on the year. Wow. A little bit over than that, actually. Right. And his, and his batting average They're is pretty below low. The they don't average. have a whole lot of power in their lineup. Right. Outside of him, at least. I've got seven home runs is a lot. Rowdy Jordan, who I, I love his name. Auburn uh, High School product. Yeah. Go figure, right? This is a homecoming for him. That's excellent. Yeah, I didn't like, think about that until now. I was like, oh, wait, he's going to come home. That's great. Yeah. He's doing really well right now. He's on a bit of a tear. In the last five games, he has a 500 batting average. Whew. And he has struck out just once in those five games. So looking to continue that for sure. And then for pitching, uh, pitchers to watch, got Christian Macleod, a 3-2 and two record on the season, a 2.67 ERA, so a little bit under that team average. You sure it's not McLeod? I, I don't know. It's it's definitely not McLeod. Spell it no. for me. M A C L E O D. I think that's McLeod. Okay, that's a weird way to pronounce <laughs> it. It is a weird way to spell it, yeah. but that's that's McLeod with an A. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can get yeah. there with me. All right. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, anyway, a little bit lower than that team ERA in 30.1 innings pitch. He's got 52 strikeouts to 10 walks. So, he gets about. Five strikeouts for every walk. That's what concerns me about this Mississippi State team the most. And I was going to field this question to you guys, but we'll just go through it right now then. What scares me the most about this Mississippi State team is how much they strike out the opposition. They are averaging 1.5 strikeouts per inning. Per inning. They're almost striking out two players per inning. There's a big reason why they're only giving up 3.2 runs per game. People can't cash in because they can't hit the baseball. Can't even right. put it in play. So this pitching staff, that's the biggest concern for me this weekend. And it's not just the pitching staff. More specifically, it's the fact that they are missing bats completely. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. And we've actually talked about this a little bit. But from Auburn's issue is whenever they've been they've been able to get hits, they just haven't been able to get runs. But the first thing you got to do is to, to score is you got to put the ball in play. You got to be yeah. able to hit it. And if Auburn can't do that, they're going to have some serious issues this weekend. Yeah, the last pitcher I got here, probably the scariest one, Landon Sims. His ERA is 0.47, and he has pitched 19.1 innings and has 39 strikeouts. So back to that thing that you were saying about two strikeouts. Closer, I'm assuming. Probably, yeah, but basically two strikeouts every inning that he pitches. 
insane. <laughs> Games on ice, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as, as Lance said, they're, the they're really good from the mound, which leads me into the next one, the X-Factors here. I couldn't really nail down a single X-Factor, but I was blown away looking at the stat sheet for their relievers. They have seven relievers that kind of just rotated and out. I think combined between those seven guys there are 27 appearances, so they just kind of trade them out. Those seven relievers have a 0.00 ERA on the season. Wow. No so even if you runs. get past the starters, so you're telling me that the starters are the worst thing about the Mississippi State <laughs> pitching staff, it, and all those guys' ERAs are and, at like 2.5. And, and yet the pitchers are still really good. Like, uh, I'll tell you this, though. I want to bring up something as we're running out of time on this segment. I want, I want to bring up something about what Auburn can exploit. I feel really good about this weekend. I think Auburn's going to take this series. Big part of it, it's weird weekend, rainy weather, weird schedule. I think that that's better for the batters than it is for the pitchers. Mississippi State and Auburn are two teams that I feel like are built most mostly around their pitching staffs. But Auburn's bats, from a comparison standpoint, have done better in conference play and on the season than Mississippi State has. Right. And they've, they've played the same. If anything, Mississippi State's played more midweek games than Auburn, and they've had more games to skew here. I think this is an area that Auburn could be able to exploit here because Mississippi State offensively at the moment, only averaging 4.2 runs per game in conference play, the team average is an above average mark of 272 on the year. That's still pedestrian at this point after you've gotten to play all those midweek games. They don't possess a lot of power in the order. They only have 27 home runs, which is less than one a game. They only average 1.8 extra base hits per game. So not even two extra base hits per game if you're talking about Mississippi State here. To compare, Auburn averages more runs per game at 4.8 in SEC play at least. They're hitting 298, which is almost 0.02 percentage points higher than Mississippi State on the year. They've got 37 home runs, which is 10 more, and that's about one and a half per game. So Auburn's got a lot more power in the lineup, and they're averaging two extra base hits per game, which is about par for the course in the league at this moment. Is about two. It's about average in this league, but Auburn's also got the home run bump there. They can they can, they can can send the ball over the wall. So it may not be by much, but this Auburn lineup has a little bit more juice in it than Mississippi State does. Auburn's pitching staff's a lot healthier this weekend. The most healthy we've seen it, at all, like this whole season everybody's back yeah. almost maybe not 100 percent, but everybody's back just about for this Auburn team Jack Owen had a really good game last weekend I think it's very possible that we see this Auburn team limit what Mississippi State's able to do across the entire weekend as long as the bats are swinging Auburn can right. win the series and They're the bats were swinging hits. against Arkansas I think it I think it continues I, I'm, I'm calling for Auburn to take two out of three against Mississippi State this weekend really? I think the All season right. turnaround begins now never write off talent I said that a couple of weeks ago even when things were really grim never write off talent I said that when they were 0-6 never never write off talent Auburn's got talent on this baseball team I'm going to call for two out of three if I'm wrong they at least need to get one they can't get swept if they get swept I think postseason's pretty much out of the question for this Auburn team if they take one out of three then the the hopes are alive but they're going to have to start winning series just like Britt was talking about with softball they'll only have five series left in SEC play and they'll have to keep they'll have to win series they'll have to win pretty much all of those left to try and get to that magic number at SEC baseball which is about 15 wins in conference play so Sting yeah. I appreciate it man I got I got one more thing can I, can go, I, can for I it. It? Yeah. go for it go for it your favorite part of best it. name on the team I'm gonna go with Stone Simmons I know you liked Rowdy Jordan Lance, that's pretty dope. Do you have a favorite? No, I, I think like that's Stone dope. I like Simmons. that a lot. Does he play? No, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I wasn't looking for stats at that Rowdy point. Rowdy Jordan's got a great name, and he plays. He's playing. And he's very one of their well best right players. So you know what? His name is not Stone. It's pretty dope. Well, Stone may be Stone Cold at the plate, or, <laughs> or unless he's a pitcher. But <laughs> he, he might. He might be. <laughs> he might be. But he's got a cool name. All right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm calling Auburn. Takes two out of three against Mississippi State. That's what that's what I'm predicting this weekend. We'll see if it works out, and then you guys can you know be mad at me on Monday if I'm wrong. We'll be back with more of On the Line. We wrap up the show on the other side of this break. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Wrap it up on the line here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Before we do, let's take a listen to What's On TV Tonight. Hey, everybody. It's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Happy Friday. A new episode of Shark Tank is on ABC at 7. Over on Discovery, a new episode of Gold Rush is on at 7 as well. Some movie selections for tonight. Angelina Jolie stars in Salt at 7 on AMC. A pair of Ace Ventura movies are on BBC starting at 6 with Ace Ventura Pet Detective and at 8 with Ace Ventura When Nature Calls. In live sports, we have two NBA games on NBA TV with the Memphis Grizzlies and the New York Knicks starting the action at 6.30. Closing out the night, the Washington Wizards and the Golden State Warriors play at 9. A trio of top 25 college baseball games are on this evening on ACC Network at 6. Number 17, Florida State is at number 7, Louisville. In the SEC, number 2, Arkansas, and number 3, Ole Miss play on SEC Network at 7. West Virginia and Baylor play at 7.30 on ESPNU. If you missed any of the day's coverage of the Masters, go back and watch from 7 to 10 on ESPN. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. Wrapping up the show here on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. What, we got like seven minutes left before we get out of here and then 11 minutes until 4 o'clock when the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck will take over here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. So make sure you stay tuned for that. They'll be taking your calls, talking all things Auburn athletics and in the sports world. But we're going to wrap up the show here with our top five transfer fits for the upcoming college football season. We've both given our are our five like we haven't given the whole five we've just given up fifth so let's see if we can get through this i'm a little sad that we ran out of time on this so we're gonna have to go as quickly as possible my fifth was ty chandler from tennessee to north carolina the running back from tennessee your fifth was anthony russo from temple Temple. transferring to michigan state all right so let's keep it going here four i've got running back eric gray from tennessee to oklahoma tennessee lost some key guys on the offensive side of the ball and on the defensive side of the ball a lot of good players that just weren't coached or used right eric gray blew up this past year in this covid season and he's going to a place that's going to know how to use their running backs correctly oklahoma obviously wanted this guy Eric Gray, going to have a big year at Oklahoma, I feel like, in the spread offense. I I agree. I actually have uh, Eric Gray higher on this list, but at my number four spot, I have Wondell Robinson transferring from Nebraska to Kentucky. And the reason that I, that I, whenever I saw Robinson on the 247 Sports transfer list, I realized immediately, I was like, oh, well, there's Lynn Bowden 2.0. Just looking at what he was able to do at Nebraska, just like an all purpose back kind of guy. We've not seen him throw the football at Nebraska, (laughs) but. Lynn Bowden wasn't exactly great at that. He just kind of knew how to run and, and, and catch. He was but, a pass catcher before that. That's right. Looking at what Robinson was able to do in his time at Nebraska, 914 yards receiving, three touchdowns, and then 580 yards rushing and four touchdowns. So if Kentucky has some issues at the quarterback position this year, which we know how poor their quarterback play has been out. for about a year and a half, he'll try him out see what he does. Moving into the top three here, I've got safety Tyke Smith from West Virginia to Georgia. Georgia needed help at this position desperately. Lost six defensive backs, whether it be to the NFL draft or it be to transfer. Tyke Smith was a third-team All-American in the Big 12 last year. They get experience. He gets rejoined with his former defensive backs coach at West Virginia. 
this is exactly what Georgia needed to fill a need. So Tyke Smith to Georgia, they add talent and experience at a position where they desperately needed depth. Very talented cornerback, and like we've mentioned on the show two or three times over the past couple of days, Georgia only brings one back, you know, one starter back in that secondary. They need a guy like Tyke Smith to come and to be a veteran cornerback and to provide depth to that position. The guy that I have at number three is Charleston Rambo, transferring from Oklahoma to Miami. Receiver I, I, here. I'm not quite sure if he was injured last year or they just didn't use him, but it, the year before he had like 713 yards receiving, compiled during his three years at Oklahoma. He had 1,180 yards and nine touchdowns. And look, we talked Get about Derek it. Derek King a weapon. They right. needed. We talked about it earlier. If uh, Miami is going to knock off Clemson, which I believe this is the year, if they're going to do it, this is the year. You have to be able to get some extra depth pieces from the transfer portal that provide experience. And guys like Oklahoma, who are from offenses that know how to take the top off in the Big 12, Charleston Rambo is a great addition to this Miami Hurricanes team. They need skill position players to be able to compete with what Clemson puts on the field every year. They also need lines, but... I feel like if you Syracuse has shown with some of their skill position players and what they've had at quarterback that they you get Clemson on an off day you can maybe pull the upset but the problem is when Miami's good Clemson's taking them too seriously to lose right it's got to be the bad teams to upset Clemson the teams that they're not taking seriously too often times than not so I still don't know if anybody's going to surpass the Tigers but into the top two here as we've got a couple minutes left on the show I'm going with another Tennessee transfer offensive tackle Wanya Morris from Tennessee to Oklahoma Oklahoma lost a lot on their offensive line and Wanya Morris once again I go back with this Tennessee team there are some really talented players Wanya Morris was a former four slash five star recruit out of high school Tennessee just wasn't using these guys correctly it was not getting them good coaching he's going to get good coaching at Oklahoma because they consistently consistently have one of the best offensive lines in the country and they're consistently sending guys to the NFL out of that offensive line Wanya Morris from Tennessee to Oklahoma this guy's going to the exact place he needs to go that's not named Alabama when you're talking about offensive line places that's that's right and he's going to be blocking for the guy that I have number two on my list Eric Gray transferring from Tennessee to Oklahoma 1300 yards and eight touchdowns in his time at Tennessee really they've had a Oklahoma's had a long list of talented offensive tackles that they've had uh, on the, on that line and then they've also had a long list of very talented running backs and I think Eric Gray is another one of them is a great addition to the Sooners team kind of an Alva Kamara like running back too because right. he can pass catch out of the backfield and so when I had Eric Gray on my list I wanted to put him higher I, I chose to put Wanya Morris at that two spot I almost had Gray at the two spot Eric Gray is going to be the beneficiary of a spread you out four wide receiver offense where he can either catch the ball coming out of the backfield or they are going to open up the insides of defense so far wide open because of spreading them out four wide and Lincoln Riley what he's able to do with scheme Eric Gray is going to have a field day in that offense in Oklahoma I agree we're just talking about like Charleston Rambo talking about that Oklahoma offense He's going to be able to do a lot of different things. He's so versatile, so talented. Oklahoma doesn't really seem to have a weakness this season. And just adding Eric Gray is just making them stronger. Our top guy. I hope we have the same guy here. We do. We do. Excellent. Quarterback McKenzie Milton from UCF to Florida State. The guy was a stud at UCF, and now he's moving up to a top-notch, at least program historically. Right now, they're experiencing some hard times. But McKenzie Milton was a Heisman candidate. A couple of years ago at UCF, gets hurt, doesn't really play last year. He's transferring now to Florida State, who, guess what? Their quarterback position has not been the same since DeAndre Francois got hurt against Alabama. Alabama gave them the kiss of death at the quarterback position. When you've been dealing with Blackman at quarterback 
at Florida State for the last couple of years, you are thankful that McKenzie Milton is headed there and what he's able to do as a passer and a runner. This is huge. Will this move the needle that much for Florida State? Not sure, because they were pretty awful this past year. Might get them to a bowl game. I think they should make a bowl game with this, but I doubt they do much more damage than that. Well, for me, it's going to make the Florida State team watchable because this <laughs> offense has been stagnant the past couple of years. Yeah. And what you're getting in McKenzie Milton is production. Almost 9,000 yards in his time at UCF. 72 touchdowns to only 22 interceptions. This guy's a baller. I think he's a little undersized, and I hate that he got injured uh, just a couple of seasons ago, but I really think he's going to shine in this Florida State offense. You know, Florida State still recruits pretty well, like 23rd-ranked recruiting class in this and this year's uh, 27 sport, 47 sports composite. It it's pretty bad for FSU it's standards, pretty, It's though. pretty bad, but just based on the trajectory, I think they're doing all right right now. Yeah, big step up from James Blackman to McKenzie Milton for Florida State. That does it for another week of On the Line. We'll be back with you guys on Monday. Stick around for The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck coming up on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We'll be back with you next week. You know where to find us.